0: Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler, buddy. We're back on a Tuesday. How you feeling tonight, man? I'm feeling good, man. It is Tuesday night. Uh, we got another hate week ahead of us with the hate week of North Carolina. Um, how you feeling tonight, Brian? I'm feeling good, man. We got, a, we got a big guest on to kind of open
1: things up, so mm-hmm. I'm real excited about that.
0: Well, without further ado, let's bring him on. The starting SAM linebacker for your and our Virginia Tech coaches. He is from Jean Rabo High School in Duval County, Jacksonville, Florida. Boundary Corner fans, we introduce to you Keonta Jenkins.
2: How y'all doing? How y'all doing?
0: Keonta, we are doing good tonight, man. How are you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Blessed to be here with child on the podcast, man.
0: Man, we really appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your hectic schedule this week. Obviously, a little hate week. It's Carolina week. You guys are traveling <laughs> yeah. to Chapel Hill. Um, we really appreciate you taking time. Obviously, we know between school practice and all that, you are a busy guy, starting Sam linebacker mm-hmm. for the school. Uh, we thank you for taking your time to uh, you know talk with us a little bit tonight.
1: That's
2: all right.
1: Yeah, we're going to lead off with this. Um, you know, the big thing coming into the season is the big the big position switch for you, right? Moving from safety down yes. to Sam linebacker. Um, so mm-hmm. you're four games into the position uh, that you didn't really think you'd be playing, kind of especially at the end of last season coming at the start of this season. Mm-hmm. You know, but we've seen some really good on-field results so far. How do you feel the adjustment to playing Sam has gone for you at this point in the season?
2: I think it was a great opportunity for me. I think it was probably one of the best things that probably happened. For me to get on the field and be able to make plays and just build my resume with my name the change was different it was very unexpected but i try to make it an opportunity f- and just take it head on
0: absolutely and obviously you know we were we were chit-chatting right before Keontae uh mm-hmm. jumped on here and we were talking about that hit at bc where you caught that guy about seven yards behind the line of scrimmage <laughs> yeah and um Brian was in the crowd that night, and I, and I love what you said. You said when you made that hit and you heard the crowd about how electric it was, man. Like, yeah, it was
2: very electric.
0: But what are those feelings like when you're mm-hmm. in front of Lane Stadium and you make a big play, you know, how does that feel? Does that does that take your adrenaline to a level unseen?
2: <laughs> yeah, your adrenaline will be pumping. You're in the tarot dome. You make a big play in a batfield, tackle for loss. I mean, the crowd going crazy. The, um, um, players going crazy everybody going crazy it's just unreal moment a very unreal moment for me I that's love awesome.
1: that I love that
2: that's
1: awesome yeah, man being in the crowd I mean you just you heard the ooh like it was yeah every, every you you saw, we saw it coming too we saw it coming <laughs> you,
0: you <laughs> he know, was, was dead saw- to rights before you even got there so with the adjustments you know is it has it been a lot like, or is it still that style of play you brought? You know, coming in as a safety, is it still a lot of things you can key on from playing safety with, you know, with the move I t- over the same? I,
2: I tend to take a lot of my attributes from safety, as in covering and covering wise and just speed and just being more athletic than more linemen that I'd be have to go against. But the more challenging part would be just when I'm actually in the box or just. Just seeing and seeing your keys a little faster. I'm closer to the ball, so things happen a little faster. But I definitely think the transition from safety down to linebacker give me a most advantage, most advantage of a lot of teams, a lot of players, because I have a, a very unmatched speed when I'm either coming across the edge or even covering tight ends. It, it seemed more natural to me.
1: Yeah, and seeing I, you close to the ball, I mean, I, we can definitely see you making plays in the backfield and a lot more tackles for loss. So, mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's that's a big asset mm-hmm. for the team for sure.
0: Absolutely, and and so far this year, I mean, we've talked about a couple tight ends, and I know against BC, I mean, their guy had had a big week one against Rutgers. We didn't hear his name called too much, and I know, you know, you were part of that, which is awesome to hear. Um, Let me go with this. Let's talk about last Thursday night just a little bit. You know, Mm -hmm. rough loss to West Virginia. After that game, what was Coach Prize' matches to the team? Emotional loss, you know, at-home rivalry game. You know what was his message to you guys in the locker room after that game?
2: I mean the, the the biggest the biggest part I got out of his message was just sticking together, playing together, being one sound, just all believing and fighting all the way to the end. Not just having a will to win. Coach Pry is a very competitive coach. and He and he wants all his people to be competitive. So just. Just to compete all the way to the end, fight all the way to the end, and just be more disciplined. I think that was probably one of the biggest things to being disciplined. Has,
1: has the has the focus on the competitiveness? Um, you know, it, it, does that have any anything to do with some of the, the the penalties that we've come up with? Is it just like pressing, or is it is it just playing um, kind of outside of of the framework, trying to trying to compete that every rep, or is it just a combination of a lot of different things?
2: I think it's just competitiveness and emotion. Competitiveness and emotion take over in big games, and sometimes people rely more on their skills than the technique. But Coach Pye always, Coach is a big fundamental guy. He preached the technique, just doing the fundamentals and just playing within the framework. And I think once we get that down and once we all become together and show how important this is and how it changed the game, we'll be a very more productive team.
1: Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, speaking of those penalties, um, you know, been hit hard by both of those and, in, in, in both of the losses at this point in the season. Um, has that been a point of emphasis during those Sunday correction practices that you guys have been having? Um, and, and how have those practices helped in preparing for the next week's opponent?
2: Yeah, during the correction, pr- uh, correction practice on Sunday, it's been very, very emphasized on penalties and how much if we just take the penalties away and make them earn everything, how much the results will change. So Coach probably definitely preaches making them earn it, not giving it to them. So we're we doing that. I think um, the captains all came up with a plan to help everybody just notice how important the penalties and how important they're changing the games, definitely in bit time moments, later the fourth our late downs on fourth down, that it can change the game.
0: So. And, and I tell you what, it, 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 is, it is showing with this defense. When you guys are forcing teams to drive the fields, they make mistakes. You know, we saw mm-hmm. the fumble against West Virginia. We've seen the picks. We've seen the big tackles for loss. We've seen them in bad down and distances. So I love that emphasis. And I love that I, I can hear it in your voice. Like, you know, like, if we clean this up. Yeah there's not a lot of teams that are going to consistently move the ball on us. They're going to make mm-hmm. mistakes. They're going to take big losses. Yes. And it's awesome to hear that. And it's awesome to hear that it sounds like there's things in place that, you know, that you guys are working towards to clean it up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, let's, let's, let's flip over. and Let's talk about some of your coaches here. Um, so your coach, your coach position coach is coach Quinn, one of the new coaches here, yes. but obviously mm-hmm. That same position, we know it's working some with the defensive backs and Coach Predelu, We know it's working with Coach Marv, mm-hmm. with the Mike and the wheel. Um, what is that dynamic like between, you know, those three coaches, since you probably get to see them more on a daily basis than other groups?
2: I think just being coached by all three of them just gave me advantage advantage in the learning process because I'm getting the same coaching with Coach Quinn. Coach Quinn is a very detailed coach with detail. And then Coach Marv just energetic and just playing playing behind the line of scrimmage and being a force and being a hammer. Then you got Coach P with just (laughs) how he coaches, just easy to understand. So, I mean, I I, I, I watch film with the safeties a lot, and I watch film with the linebackers. I like getting feedback from everyone just to improve my game. So I definitely go to all three coaches for help with anything that I need, and they all give it to me. I absolutely
0: love that Chris Marv talks about bringing the hammer down, and I mean, mm-hmm. Coach Prelude. I mean, you know, he was one of the he was one of the originals back when when we yeah. we told you we told you we like ninety five was like our first year. Coach Prelude on those teams, and then, you know, a guy. How is he looked at? Because you guys are of the age, Coach Prelude. When you were younger, was still in the league. He's got that ring with mm-hmm. the Saint, where, like. Is is he one of those guys when he speaks? Is it kind of like does do, does does everybody's head turn in the room because of who he is? You know, as an originator of DBU, and then all that time in the league, and now he's back coaching at his alma mater.
2: Yeah, coach Coach P got one of them voices when he when he talks, everyone just listens. Everyone just listens, and he with his experience in the league. He know what it takes to be great. He played here. He played on championship teams. He played on very good teams. So he he know what it takes to be great and to get the VT as a whole and the VT defense to where it need to be to win games. So we take all our details and all the information that he gives us, we take it in and put it on the field. Man,
0: that awesome. is awesome. That is awesome. I mean, it's yeah. just awesome because you just feel that with Coach Prelude. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Coach Quinn because, you know, obviously he is your specific mm-hmm. position coach. Yeah. Is he as genuine behind the scenes as it's seen publicly? I mean, we always see him out there, you know, breaking bread hokey style. The man is yeah. finding, you know, the diners. He is the diners drive-ins and dives king of Virginia Tech Twitter because <laughs> he's asking. I mean he's 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 being genuine. He's asking yeah. us fans, like, you know, I'm in Richmond today. What's a good spot? What's a good local spot I can mm-hmm. try? Is he like that behind the scenes? And you know,
2: yeah, I think Coach Quinn probably one of the coaches who he he who, like he he who he is every day. He the same guy every day. I mean, and then definitely with the eating spots, I'm a I'm a type of person. Where I don't eat. I don't eat out a lot. I don't try different. He always try to introduce me to new things to eat or hang out just to get me to be just more like just to explore more, be more social. So. Yeah, he one of them people. If I come in, if I come to practice with a down, I had a a bad exam. you know how to uplift you. Always just smiling, and he have a joke for you too. So it's it's good to have Coach Quinn around. High energy and positive energy. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: it's good to have guys that you know that you know if things are going are are too high, too low, they're always going to be the same thing to you. They're gonna they're gonna do give you what you need to get you right, whether that's bring you down a little bit or lift you up a little bit. So it's it's always good to have that type of presence on the team for sure. Um let's let's pivot a little bit to uh to what we're going to look at this week with uh with UNC. Um obviously the 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 big big talk right now is everything happening on with the weather. We're looking at potential hurricane game part 2 uh with uh with UNC uh down in Chapel Hill um has has coach Pry, coach Marr, coach Quinn, coach Pilo have they talked about potential weather conditions on Saturday and and how that can potentially affect the preparation for y'all this I week? Mean,
2: as of now, they haven't they haven't talked about it a lot a lot. But I know that it's being brought up. We have like uh different like different I want to say things that we'll go to if it become a, a hurricane game with different strategy with different scheme different things that we that we seen from in the past with the past film the things they like to go to. And just how comfortable they'll be with this weather condition, but Coach Pryor's one of them guys. He he, this is this is like what he like. He wanted us to be in the trenches. He wanted us to be the worst, the worst it can be, just to go out here and perform. So I'm pretty sure he it if it was a hurricane. I've <laughs> <been everything. laughs> I, I played in one of those type of games before, and
1: and it, it, it's intense. But you, you got to win in the trenches, and that that's the big thing. <laughs> if,
0: if if you're not winning in the trenches, it's going to be a long long day. Um well I'm sitting here thinking right now the way Keonta's describing Coach Pry. Like Coach is probably at the weather channel tonight. Yeah. 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 3 30. It's gonna be pouring down rain and 15 mile an hour winds. Yes. One inch of rain between
1: eleven AM and seven PM? Bring it on. Yes. <laughs> Coach Pride doesn't
2: flinch. Coach Pride do not flinch. That's
0: that's awesome to hear, man. Um
1: let me ask this about about UNC. Is there is there a specific uh component of of their offense that has kind of been an emphasis for you uh, in the preparation so
2: far this week uh just mainly stopping the run game stopping the run game they got a nice quarterback nice talented quarterback so just making him uncomfortable trying to get to him as much as you can but just as of right now just stopping the run game
1: yeah and, stop. and that's gonna be key with that weather for sure yeah
0: <laughs> absolutely all right, before we before we let you out of here, get you some rest, um, now you've kind of already said it. You're not a big going-out-to-eat guy, but obviously you've been in Blacksburg <laughs> since 2020. You know, this is now your third year there. What is sort of your food spot to go to in Blacksburg?
2: I mean, as of recently, I've been trying that, um, the space right there by Waffle House. It's called Black Salt. Black Salt.
0: Black Salt.
2: Okay, okay. Yeah, Black Wings, um... It's called sweet chili i think some sweet chili wings are my favorite man i double back in the same day <laughs> that's yeah. a man
1: after my own heart we got a local spot that does some sweet chili wings pretty good here so all right yeah. we, we're right on the same
0: wavelength there all right so for, yeah. for those who are watching in the blacksburg area y'all need to go by black salt tell them keontae jenkins should be getting a sponsorship and an nil deal to talk about the sweet chili yeah. wings
2: there <laughs> Yeah, they got some good wings I like.
0: Awesome. Well, well, Kianta, you know, we really, again, we really, really appreciate you taking out a few minutes of your day to talk with us, to talk with Hokie Nation. Um, You know, best of luck on Saturday. We will be watching you because I think we're probably, me and Brian were talking, we're pretty determined that it's probably going to be rainy. So we're not going to get much done. So we're going to be sitting in our man caves, screaming our lungs out, and hoping the, you guys can bring home the Nothing but college football all day with the Hokies there at
2: 3.30. I mean, we'll, feel, we'll, feel, we'll feel the energy, man. We'll feel the energy from, from um, Chapel Hill. We're we'll, we'll good.
0: Awesome. Well, Keontae, you, you you continue to do what you do, man. You know, play hard, play smart, um, and and continue to be that sort of – you know, like talking with us tonight, man, Mm -hmm. you know, it again is appreciated. And we can see that not only does playing football for this school mean a lot to you, but this school in general means a lot to you. And, you know, we really appreciate that, man. And uh, you you take care of yourself. And hopefully next time we're in Blacksburg,
2: we'll look you up. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very blessed to be on the podcast. We're blessed to have you, man. You have a good night. You too.
1: That's a n c h o r dot f m. Now, back to the good part.
0: All right, buddy. Well, there we go. There's the uh, first part of our episode. We uh, got to talk with Keonta Jenkins again. We really appreciate him for coming on. We really appreciate Travis Wells for um, giving us the opportunity. Uh, Travis, thank you, man. You don't know, you know, it two guys that just started a fun podcast in February of 2020. I don't think, I, I think wildest Streams, Brian, you know, we've gotten to interview Dwight and Daryl and now, you know, interviewing someone like one like Kianta who clearly on this team this year is making an impact at Sam. Um, yeah, big big and, and time, time rising star on the team for sure. Big time rising star. Absolutely. So, we're going to go ahead and shut that, and we're going to move on, and we've, we've got to recap it, unfortunately. You know, Keontae just talked about it there, about Coach Pryor's message, about being disciplined, about sticking together um, throughout it, but we do need to take a look back at West Virginia and, and you know, talk about a few things. Um, obviously, everybody, watched Thursday night. Hokies go down 33-10 to the Mountaineers in the Black Diamond Trophy game. Hokies go to 2-2. Two and two. And, you know, what we've been doing normally – is we've been kind of looking offense, defense. But now we're four games in, right, Brian? And me yep. and you were having a conversation on Friday. You know, what can be fixed? What can't be fixed? What's going well? And what's kind of still that TBD area? So that's how we're going to kind of address it tonight. And and, and I love that kianza kind of already talked about it as we led the episode, talked about being disciplined, talked about them working on the penalties, because that is probably one of the biggest things that, We've already seen it fixed once, but now can they get back in one more time and get it corrected and keep it correct? What do you think, Brian?
1: Yeah, I think it's the consistency with it, and I, I like that. Um, I know he alluded to it with the with the question there. We saw it come down with the with the interview with Pryor earlier today. Um, captains have instituted, um, you know, some uh, s- some sort of correction uh, punishment. Should should penalties like this, uh, you know, continue? Uh, I think that you know having that incentive I think that's a good incentive to have for the team it makes them accountable for for what they do on the field um and you know again it's a correctable thing we've got we got a lot of penalties that lengthen drives ended drives um you know another 15 for 132 total um you like to cut both of those numbers at least in half yes <laughs> at least in half at least in half. Uh, so, you know, if, if we were in that six to seven for, for 60, 65, you know, I, I wouldn't have a, as much to complain about. But, you know, when, when you get kind of in that, that 10 to 15 range, that's when it's like, all right, some of these are, are ones that we shouldn't be committing. And it, it hurts even more when you have ones that are, you know, those, those drive killers and those drive extenders. Those are the ones that take points <laughs> off the board, put points on the board for the other team.
0: Absolutely. I'm gonna give a shout out here. David Cunningham put a really good tweet at the end of that game talking about penalties. And, you know, the PI passes, I think the aggressiveness of the defense, we're just gonna see more. And I and I read Will Stewart put up one of the posters on TSL said, you know, we're we're already at the number of PI penalties of where we were last year. But the God honest truth is our, our pass defense is a hell of a lot better than it was last year already. So are you you know, can you live with extra penalties if overall the defense is better. I think we absolutely can. But it's the other shit that kind of drives us crazy and definitely drives Brian crazy. Two false starts, an illegal substitution, an illegal snap, an offside penalty, a delay of game penalty. Those are the ones that just – they're nicking you. Well, that's up here. Yeah. It's up here. Yeah, there you go.
1: It's one thing to be in the moment and and make a mistake. It's another thing to – make a mental error and especially when you're making those mental errors in your own stadium, it, you know, it's not, you're not affected by the crowd noise. You're not affected by, you know, the, these ancillary, uh, factors, uh, of the game. You're, 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 affected by your mental state. Um, you gotta make sure that you're playing smart. And I think we need to see a little bit more of that. And I think the accountability is going to help on that front. Um, because now you're just you're, you're teammate accountability is important, but teammate accountability that has, you know, something behind it, I think you know is is only going to reinforce
0: that. But it's it's also good to know that Coach Pry not stuck in his ways, right? Because yeah. clearly they have there had been things done prior to attempt to fix the penalties, and he's not going back to the well one more time. He's immediately saying, okay, we need to make a change for it because you know it's it's link it's reared its head again so clearly what he said two
1: data points is enough
0: yeah <laughs> two
1: two two, two da- i don't i don't need any more data points to say that we need to address this differently so you got to respect uh you know him not just sitting back and saying we do what we do um you know if things become a bigger problem than he he sees or or than they should be then they are addressed um you know whether whether this turns out and, and helps on the field but at least, you know, you're not just saying, all right, we're going to do what we do. This is what we do. Yeah. Keep
0: keep it moving. Keep it moving. Now we we are going to kind of go a little bit towards the game itself. Those refs were fucking horrible. And if you really want to get Brian hot, ask him about hands to the face. The one that they got Pollard on Brian's texting me fucking bullshit. They've done it to us at least four times. If you're going to call it, Throw it both ways because it's clearly there in front of you for them yeah, as well. Th-
1: that was my problem. I, I mean, look at the replay. It's an obvious foul on Pollard. I mean, it, it, yeah, it is no what doubt. it is. But, you gotta I mean, kick. between that and uh, and Milam uh, holding every every time they went to the perimeter, like every time, like blatant <laughs> holding, every time they ran, ran the ball to the perimeter, like, you know, flags are flags, mistakes are mistakes, but call call it both ways
0: call it both ways and then don't call bullshit because that personal foul roughing the QB on Dax. It was bullshit. Daniel was in his motion to throw Dax did nothing but shove. He didn't drive him to the ground. He didn't follow with him. It was simply, he was doing exactly what you're taught to do drive. He didn't do anything illegal. He didn't do anything dangerous, but it seemed like on fourth down, that was the time to throw the flag. It wasn't and Even though I think at that point in time it was a six-point game, they would go score the touchdown and turn it to 13. It was a momentum swinging flag. Do I think we could have drove the field and potentially taken the lead? Probably not. Our offense did not look good on Thursday night. Especially in the second half. Especially in the second half. I mean, at least the first half we had some moves. We had some chances. The second half just looked dreadful. The the second half
1: we had scoring opportunities. Oh, sorry. The first half we had scored opportunities. We put 10 on the board. The second half.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just don't like that. Like, because you're essentially taking every opportunity the defense has away because that being a penalty basically makes every quarterback just say, well, I'm going to throw it because if he's going to throw the flag, whether I complete the pass or not, we're going to get a first down. So, yeah. All right. Let's go to something else. And it's actually – I, lo- I love to having on because some of the points we're talking about, it sounds like they're already addressing – and it's talking about the pressing of the players. And one of our good buddies, JJ Singleton, um, we chat with him all the time. Put a little something out there, Brian. You sort of echoed it, and it basically when he says when he says Price saying the, that the players start pressing, he's basically saying the players are realizing that individually they're outmatched, and when they quit working together, what it, what it, what was Teonti talking about? Staying together, working as a team. That's when the game plan crumbles. And, you know, the question is, we we saw it in B.C. You were live at hand. I, I watched every snap of the game here at the house against B.C. They didn't press against B.C. No. They just let that game come to them. And to this point, definitely the the, the best both sides of the ball has played.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you talked big about trusting your technique, leaning on your technique instead of – you know pressing too hard to make a play um if you lean on your technique and 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 you're playing within the system you're going to put yourself in a position to make a play um uh, you don't need to to kind of play outside that framework um and and yeah you might you might get one play where you blow something up but if if you keep doing that consistently you're going to you know make a stupid penalty or be out of position because you you know you trust your instincts too much instead of what the what the offense was telling you where the play's going you know there there are a lot of things there where you know little things that one or two players are doing a few plays here or there and all of a sudden you know it's it's not quite going the way you want to and you know you couple that with with how much the, that defense was on the field in the second half and that's that's kind of why you saw you know a tight game balloon kind of late um as we went down the stretch there.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you know, we, we we were struggling on the interior defensive line anyway. So I think to your point, when those guys were trying to press, slightly getting out of position, you, you played the offensive line. I'm sure there were when you saw the interior defensive lineman get out of position, it was you licked your chops like, well, now I can easily drive you off your spot, and we're going to be able to open lanes up,
1: or sometimes so, run themselves out of the play where I get I get an extra block.
2: Now, yeah, now exactly. I've
1: got. Now, now an extra man is blocked because somebody ran themselves out of the play trying to be a
0: hero. Yep. So, again, I think we've seen quickly already with the penalties, kind of like the pressing, we we kind of – we saw the team press two games. We've seen the team kind of not press for two games, and the results are, you know, the proof's in the pudding. Let's flip over this because this is something, you know, Price seems like one of those guys he is very self-aware. And we've talked about game management. Um. You know, one of the big things he did, he said it straight out. He did not call a good two minute situation at the end of the first half. He's in, 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 and, and I got from that was him making the decisions of they were playing the out of bounds ball, not using the middle of the field, potentially using timeouts, draining the clock a little bit more. I see him saying about that. Also, see him saying how he actually called defensively. So, you know, uh, somebody who's already kind of, it's the old, you know, if if you know yourself, you can conquer the world. It seems like he knows himself. He's already knowing where his errors are. Let's see how that's fixed, especially in those two-minute drills and crucial where he's got to make decisions, not only calling the plays, but, you know, how we attack at the end of the half here. Yeah, and,
1: uh, you know, I, I didn't mind being aggressive uh, with, with the pass. Um On some of those down, but as we said, as we were getting further into that drive and as we got to third down, let's get ones that are definite completions. So even if we don't get the first down and convert it, you know, the clock runs, we get more time off of it before we punt down and give West, West Virginia less time to have another drive and get some more points before half. Um, and and the same goes in the other direction, uh, because obviously there was a couple big plays there that that kind of got them in the position where they yeah. could score. So, yeah. you know, I, I like owning it. I like saying, "Hey, we can still get better. Uh, you know, the staff can still get better. It's it's still a work in progress. Everybody's still working to try to get this thing uh, into a well oiled machine, and, and it's not there yet. We saw that against West Virginia. I think we've we've seen that in the first four games altogether, where where BC is probably the best three phase um yeah you know plus coaching effort that we've seen so far the other three games there there are a lot to, to to work on and, and uh, i think recognizing that and, and putting things in place that that can help with that are, are a good sign of where we're heading but we got we got to
0: start seeing some of the results too right absolutely we've got to see the results there and um i will say one thing and i i don't know how it didn't get reviewed the punt by peter moore near the end of the first half. They gave it a touchback. I think that needed to be looked at because that ball looked like it went out at about the two inch line. It wasn't challenged. I don't know how that, you know, I feel like in college you can challenge anything every place looked at. But well I
1: mean that 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 was a change of possession,
0: so it should have been automatically reviewed by the booth. Yeah. But uh, it was no it's what I don't like sometimes about TV productions because you looked at when I looked at that play it was like I don't know if you felt like I did. I saw them like, holy crap, he just pinned them down at the inch line. like, you know, And they were running the ball good, but when that, but we had got them a couple times in the backfield, and it's like, is this a momentum changer where we get aggressive, someone blows up the play? But it, yeah. they never showed anything. We never saw Yeah, any- and it wasn't
1: that classic one that you see where it actually hits the fucking pylon. Like, usually that's, no. that's black and white. You know, th- this, this was something that – from the angle and the production that we had, it, it, it looked very close. Like it went out just short of the goal
0: line, but exactly, um, we'll never know. You know, we'll never know. TV producers don't show us a um, couple of the other things. And I think we talk about that game management and I think he may have kind of showed his cards a little bit when we went for it on fourth and one. And he says, this is a team that has to get those fourth and ones. This is a team that, you know, when it's when we're when we get down inside the 30 I think if it's 4th and 1 I think we're going to we're going to be going for it a lot this weekend. I think he I think he's already come to the realization we are struggling to move the ball and to get points. So when you get down there why not maximize your opportunity, right? Yeah, yeah, we're
1: struggling with consistency in the passing game and we're struggling with just putting all the pieces together in the running game where we can consistently get yards when we need them. Um, you know, right now we're just not moving enough bodies, uh, in, in the, with the offensive line for that run game to be consistent. Um, you know, we've seen stretches where we have some big plays, some well-blocked plays, but we haven't seen it consistently enough where you can lean on that game. But, but for an offense that's operating the way ours is, if we don't have an effective running game, it's hard to work a third of your offense. I mean, when you're talking about RPOs, when you're talking about play action, none of that works if you
0: don't have a, a running game that is threatening the defense. 100%. Sort of the last thing, and this, I put it under game management because essentially it's it's coaching and something we've already seen. Coach admitted this was not a good tackling game. I will say it was the worst of the year. It definitely ranks a hell of a lot higher than the last two years. Um. But he immediately addressed – I mean, no, for real. Like, Yeah. This was the worst tackling game we'd had all year, and it was still not a – If this was a-, a tackling
1: game from last year, it would have been upper third, but <laughs> – <laughs> This year it's in the bottom. This year it's in the – you know, at the very bottom. So that, that tells you the the progress that we made and then the yes. progress that we still have have to make, right? But again,
0: he, but, but again it's he addressing it, and immediately – I mean, if we probably had Kianta for five to ten more minutes, I, you know – again we, we were we were blessed to have him on and you know we probably could have talked to him for 45 minutes but we're not gonna we're gonna ask some good questions and let him go about his day it probably would have got into where the tackling drills a little more intense this week because from that presser saturday night um yeah saturday night yeah saturday night or thursday night excuse me i i have a feeling that they were working a little bit harder on tackling drills this week to get back to the technique we saw games one through three.
1: Yeah, and most of it, I think, was pressing, was diving. I mean, we had uh, kind of early on there uh, the one where, you know, Armani just didn't break down, didn't make the play, resulting in the first down. That led to a long drive um, where it could have been getting off the field. Um, with West Virginia backed up deep in their own territory, so you know it's the it's the little things that kind of add up to the big things. Um, and I think if we clean up those those little things and 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 again lean on our technique, like like Keontae was talking about, like Coach Pry talks about, we're gonna see some improvement on that front.
0: Absolutely, gonna give a couple shout outs here. We got Jerry. Want shout out Jerry watching us tonight. Shout out Lavar. Shout out Low Country Living. Got two of them on YouTube, one on Facebook. We appreciate you guys joining us tonight. All right. Those are things that are bad that we feel like can get fixed. Now, I'll say this we did do the old, well, what's bad that's going to be really tough to be fixed this year? And I think it kind of showed out on Thursday night. And that is the size of our interior defensive line, not necessarily the players, but the simple size. Josh Fuga is the heaviest guy at about 305. Then it's Kendricks and then, you know, Pollard and Panay, as good as they are, they're going 280, 285. They're undersized defensive, interior defensive linemen. Um, but Brian, me and you've kind of been just kind of going through the schedule, and there's only a handful more teams that are gonna run the power or run power plays or as big as West Virginia are the rest of the year. So it's something we can't fix, but it's not like we're playing a bunch of Wisconsin's or uh iowa's between now and november
1: yeah i think we have maybe one or two offensive lines on the schedule that can move bodies uh like what we saw west virginia do um so size becomes less of a problem um you know when we look at the 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 things that are going to be struggle to get fixed obviously you can't all of a sudden put 10 15 pounds on a defensive lineman Um, Right now I I don't see the run blocking getting significantly better within this offense. What I do see and what I think will happen is I think that we'll see scheme changes and different approaches to how we attack teams with our running game because we're going to still have to be effective somewhat in the running game in order to have success in this offense. So if – if running up the middle isn't working if that duo and the and the power isn't working we're gonna have to attack the perimeter um with some more of that pin and pull that we saw have some success against boston college um and and some other things that this offense can do so I, yeah i think looking at the tape that, that's the thing that we would have to do first is start working uh attacking the perimeter with the running game a little bit more and hopefully that can give us a little bit of breathing room where we don't have to move as many bodies inside the tackle box. Uh, because right now that's what we're struggling with the most is getting guys out of gaps. Um, you know, the, the holes are too small and the ones that are there, sometimes we're one or two assignments away from, you know, that play working. Let's see if we can spread things out a little bit, test them on the edges a little more and, and get some guys blocking in space instead of, you know, inside a phone booth.
0: Absolutely, and, and to your point, you you, you kind of mentioned to me uh, Friday when we talked. It's really tough to change philosophical philosophically a run game, and so I yeah, think especially now,
1: going to, especially going from a, a zone a true zone kind of wide you, spread you out into where now you've got to move bodies out of gaps. Um, you know, you're blocking down. You're using leverage. You're using power. Um, it's it's a different skill set. Some guys have both. Some guys don't. Um, and some guys take longer to develop it as as they practice it. So, you know, it's going to be a work in progress, and it might be a work in progress that never fully gets finished this season.
0: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. All right, a couple other things. You know, the, the, the quarterback talk, of course, is going to be on fire uh, as soon as that game ended with some of the overthrows and missed throws. But I think me and you are kind of to the point of – you know, when things aren't going well, you know, regardless of the game, that we're just gonna to have to live with Grant Wells and the risks he takes and some of the stuff he does because it's 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 not like that does Jason Brown potentially give you a better chance to win. Maybe, maybe he does. But then we're going back to something everybody's been pissed off with since 2018. There's been absolutely no consistent quarterback position for the Hokies. Right.
1: So absolutely. And, what and you when you talk to... about Jason Brown, like if you're going to Jason Brown at best, you're going to a six to eight week fix, right? Yeah. Like that's, it. That, that's all you're, that's all you're doing. Um, you know, I think right now the, the best thing to do is to, to, to keep rolling with Wells because number one, I think in terms of arm talent, he gives us the best chance to win. And number two, you want to at least give him his best shot to show whether he's the guy for the next two years or whether you're back at the drawing board this off season.
0: There you go. Because at least if he's still in house, if he's potentially not the guy and he doesn't grow between now and November or hopefully now in January that you can have the conversation with him and say, you know, it's gotta be open. Like you did not yeah. do enough to set yourself apart for potentially other guys we can potentially bring into this.
1: Yeah, and, right. I mean when we look at um, the, you know, his play, you know, he's made some good plays. There, there are moments where you're like, all right, I could see this working, but then there's moments where he, you know, locks on to a receiver, uh, his primary right out the gate doesn't really ever come off of it, makes the throw, even though there might be some checkdowns there. or or a second or third read that might be coming open. Uh, You know, there's a couple overthrows, some excusable, some not. Uh, You know, we've we've seen things that are really good, and we've seen things that he's got to work on. And like I said, I think we've seen enough where, you know, he's going to need to be the guy the rest of the way out. But if we don't start seeing some progress here, I think that's when you're saying, all right, well, we know he's the solution for this year, but he's not the next. Not the solution for next two years. Let, let's see what else we can bring in here and see if we can elevate that position. So Absolutely. it's still a work Great. in progress
0: right now. Still a yep. work in progress. Great point. Now, the other thing, and this has been discussed long. This has been discussed in spring. It's talent depth at the key position groups. There's nothing we can change about that this year. All that we can do is hope that the coaching staff makes the decisions of who puts you in the best position for this year, but also who has the opportunity to get playing time this year that you can get get the film, get them on tape to start teaching and getting ready for the next two to three seasons?
1: Yeah, and I mean that's that's part of the thing that you know we're going to struggle with is that
0: I think this yeah. week, I think this week at the line at the Mike linebacker that was that depth chart that that kind of shocked me and you, but. That's somebody who's going to potentially – you know, Will Will Johnson, right? Yep, Will Johnson is now the number two, Mike, at least for UNC. At least for UNC. But it's – and it's like, whoa, wait a second. Where's Keyshawn? Where's Dean Ferguson? And it's like, well, is this a week where they get Will Johnson some run? He's already been redshirted. He's doing some things on special teams. Does he get the run this week to say he's a redshirt freshman? Let's get tape where we can – you know, analyze, diagnose what he does well and what can he do well potentially next year or the year after. Well, I think also in terms of matchups, this is a team, and we're going to talk about it,
1: you know, after the break here, you know, what they like to do. Will Johnson's skill set probably fits a lot more than a Keyshawn artist this week. So, you know, if you're going to have a number two, and and we've seen the twos get, you know, at least a handful of series every week. Yep, we have Uh, so far. So at least every week. So uh, if if we're looking at matchups, that's definitely a matchup. Now, like I said, whether that carries over week to week after this, that's, that's going to be the question, but I I like this move in terms of this week. Um, We see Kelly Lawson now, um, you know, starting at will.
0: Him and Keller, the or at will. I mean, that's an athletic group right there with those two kids.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, that linebacking room is, is is shaping up, and and it's still, you know, there there's still some some fiddling going on with it. But we've seen a big step forward with that group this year, and you know, I think as we kind of get more tape and see more what guys are doing against live competition and gets better competition, it's only going to get better because we'll we'll have
0: a lot more understanding of what what these guys do well. Yeah, and it's awesome to know a guy like Keonta Jenkins has the eligibility to come back next year where he has really evolved into that same position. Um, And, you know, with him and Walker, you've got a good, essentially you've got a good one, two out there to be very, very comfortable with. All right. Let's go to what's steady. Um, Let's just say it is as much as the, we're going to malign the offensive line, the way the run blocking has happened. Pass pro has been damn good. I mean, if, if the sacks are happening or the pressure happened. it's it's cover pressure it's not you know brian you said you've been impressed with how this groups looked because they were a solid group a couple guys who played last year with the exception of one individual um so, yeah
1: uh, you know there's one that there's one guy that's that still out.
0: there's one guy that's still struggling pretty bad
1: and it makes uh, no and, sense it makes and no sense and that's parker um but, it but makes i sense. mean I think overall, I'm I'm satisfied. I wouldn't say I'm impressed, but I'm definitely satisfied with the pass pro. Um, like I said, I think we could see some improvement from Parker. Um, he's been the weakest link, uh, both in the run game and the pass game combined, in my opinion. Um, you know, if 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 some of that can continue to to go and he can put out more tape like he put out last year, because he was a solid. solid and pass pro last year. Uh, I know, I know it's limited games. He only started a a couple games, uh, saw time in a lot of games though. And he had enough snaps under his belt where pass pro should not be the big problem that it is for him right now. Um,
0: it's, it just doesn't make me and you talked about it the other day. It's like, you, you didn't think about that. He would be an issue. Like he had solid game film. He had good progression, you know, not not to not to downplay him. Was he going to be first round pick? Probably not. But the way he was progressing, you felt like he was going to be a very good performer for three more years here, and it's just like come unraveled. So that's and that's so, and, one and, and, if, if if you if we just get Parker back to what he did last year, it significantly makes the offensive line better than what it is, both path pro and run game.
1: Yeah, and it's weird because he you know. I don't know if it's carrying over. He's obviously thinking too much. Um, just, just looking at it. he's he's thinking too much and he's not not processing uh, and leaning on his technique quick enough in the snap, uh, and that's carrying over into his 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 actual technique in terms of of the actual block itself. Um, yeah, he's, he's had bad technique. He's gotten beaten inside. Oh my god. If, if if i'm rushing the passer i'm crossing parker clement's face every damn time <laughs> e- e- every damn time i'm crossing his face i'm screw 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 with edge rush i am crossing his face and making him have to power step and keep me uh fr- from getting to the quarterback inside so
0: mm-hmm. all right all right well let's 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 hit on a couple more good things we already talked about the the linebackers the young and the old playing good secondary play, man. I mean, it's, you can't, you know, the corners have played solid. The safeties have played really good. There's secondary plays good. It's steady. And, you know, seeing Breon Murray played well last week. So it seems like those groups are, they've, they've got their footing.
1: Yeah. I mean, they, they, they've been playing well overall. I mean, there's, you know, plays here or there you can nitpick for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, i already talked about, you know, Chapman missing the tackle on the edge there. Um, you know, a couple technique things here, or there, um, some that resulted in penalties, some that resulted in catches, but overall the, the unit is playing well. Um, they've held in check some of the better receivers that we'll see, not just, you know, in the early part of the schedule, but for the whole year. So, um, you know, if they can keep that play up as we kind of get deeper into conference play, that's gonna be huge. Um,
0: but they're doing they're doing a good job so far. Absolutely. And our TBDs are are what they are. It's the running back room. And I know a lot of that's going to hinge on and you know, what the offensive line plays like, but it's seeing what we want to see and it doesn't look like it's an outside shot this week, but seeing Malachi Thomas and Keyshawn King both be able to play significant roles. And I think we have to put TBD on that room until they're both on the field because you've been talking about those perimeter runs. And, you know, the one thing really good about Malachi, and you've, you've praised it over and over, is to be a young – to a, be a back of his age. He is only his second year in college. And the way he ran last year, his vision is already like a senior. Yeah, he's got he's got really good vision. Um it's
1: not like Khalil Herbert level vision, but very few are. Um no. but it, but it's really good especially for the experience that he's had in the offense so far. You know, a, a little bit more vision is going to help this offense. I mean, it's the difference between a 1 or 2 yard gain and a 4 or 5 yard gain on a lot of these plays that we're looking mm-hmm. at. Um just just picking the right lane, picking the right alley, setting the block up better. Um you know, there there are little things that can can help this offense to have a little bit more consistency. You know, I, I we're not going to see significant or drastic change happen just because Malachi suddenly inserted into the offense, but we might see again Enough. those small things where, where we're now no longer playing from behind the chains on second and third down. Um, you know, if if we can do that a little bit better, that makes things easier for Grant Wells. Now they've got honor the running the pass on those third and shorts versus those third and longs. You know, play action works a lot better on second down. There, there's so many different things that kind of open up if you can have an effective first down run that gets you three to four yards. Absolutely. Um, and when we look at the wide receiver room, we're seeing, you know, guys take steps, right? We're uh, you know, that's the other one that we're we're kind of it's a work in progress. Um, but we've seen some young guys make some plays. We've seen some young guys, you know, make some mistakes here or there. But we're at least seeing some growth week to week. Um, that, that's you know, we it. Saw, we we saw growth. Christian Moss, you know, make some good plays against West Virginia after having a big day against Wofford. We step up in competition a little bit. We still see his presence in the offense. So uh, that's a positive sign. Positive takeaway. You know, we saw Blue that had had some opportunities against West Virginia, a couple that he wasn't able to to capitalize on, but there were some opportunities there where he was getting open, where he was getting um, yep. in a spot where he can make a play in the offense. So there's some positive momentum in that group, um, but there's still a lot of TBD. Um, and, and pivoting back to the running back room real quick, uh, when we talk about mm-hmm. Malachi coming back, now you've got two guys that you can count on. And I think that's when you start seeing Bryce Duke being used in a few more packages. So that, that's my hope is that because of, of Bryce Duke's skill set, yeah, I, I think what he can do on the perimeter – and will help us because that's where we need to start getting a little bit, a um, little bit better at attacking um, to take a little bit of pressure off the interior offensive line. Um, so if, if Bryce Duke can get some more run because of guys like Thomas and King, that you can lean on a little bit for the rest of the workload, that's only going to help us long-term.
0: Absolutely. LeBron. So, Obviously, a lot to unpack. Obviously, a lot of things that, you know, we, we, we know we can't do anything about this year. It's going to take time. It's going to take development. It's a lot of things. We know if we clean up, we can become more competitive in every game we play from now until November. So, hopefully, we start seeing these things. And, again, talking with Keontae earlier tonight, sounds like the coaches already put things in place, which is what you want to hear. It's We're not trying to do the same things. It's four games in. Certain things aren't working. Let's change it up. All right, Brian, before we get into our main topic tonight of Know the Enemy North Carolina, we are going to take a quick pause for a message from our digital partners.
1: As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode.
0: All right. So now let's begin Know the Enemy UNC and Brian it's an easy place to start we start with their offense man and let's talk about the man under center under the shotgun snaps drake may the quarterback a six foot four 220 pound red shirt freshman so he is pretty much a baby out there out of myers park high school in Hunterville, north carolina down near charlotte 2021 he was a five-star quarterback he was a top 25 player he was a top four quarterback he was the top player in the state of North Carolina, and I tell you what, so far this season, his statistics, uh, he's living up to it, man. Already thrown for over 1,200 yards, 16 touchdowns, one pick, has a little wiggle in his game, uh, closely you know, averaging just over four and a half a carry. So when you turn that tape on and you had some really fun games to watch this week with, with this offense, what are you seeing out of Drake, man? What potentially could we do?
1: Yeah. So what I'm seeing, I mean, he's really quick at reading what the defense is giving him and taking what's there. Um, that's probably his biggest attribute in terms of being a young player. He's, he's really good at identifying what a defense is doing and taking what the offense, um, kind of has at play there. Uh, he's a good athlete, probably a, a little bit better athlete than we saw from Sam Howe last year, uh, at UNC. Um, but the difference is he's very decisive when he takes off and runs. So, you know, when he when he goes he goes he's very decisive with it. Um, th- there's no, no there's no questioning whether he's going to take off. He, he reads it if it's not there he's up he's making a play he's trying to get the, get the first down with his legs, uh, and he delivers the accurate ball at all levels of the defense. So he can throw a deep ball he throws the inter- intermediate he throws short. Um, probably some of the short accuracy is probably the biggest thing he can work on, um, but he can make all the throws at all the levels of the defense. And, um, you know, footwork, pocket mechanics are probably the things that he could also work on the most, kind of get sloppy, especially when he's feeling the rush. And he does, again, much like uh, a couple other quarterbacks we talked about this year, he does take unnecessary hits when he breaks the pocket and tries to make a play. So, uh, you know, that might be an opportunity where, you know, we get him to the ground and and, and get him to where he's out of his game a little bit.
0: Well, I I hear those last two things, and I feel like that is – there's your key, right? There's your big key for throwing him off is getting to him, getting him into those bad habits and taking the unnecessary hits because how many times do you see a guy who has some ability, they make that one bad play and get popped hard, have to sit out a couple plays, and then the next thing you know, the next read option, they're handing it off, and it doesn't even matter if that end's crashed, right? Nah, I'm not taking yeah. another hit tonight. Like that didn't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. And and they
1: operate within the uh within the RPO, so he is kind of put out there a lot uh where he'll take hits, you know, in the pocket, but he also again takes off and runs and he gives us he'll give us some opportunities where we can uh you know, give him a pop and make him a little bit uh hesitant. Um and and that's going to be the big thing is is hitting him when we have the chance and
0: getting him off his spot when he's in the pocket. Awesome. All right, so there's a little bit on Drake May, the Carolina quarterback. Let's flip now to obviously, even though the guys only played two games, Josh Downs is second in Carolina in receptions, which is crazy because he only played the first in the game versus Notre Dame. The 5'10", 175-pound wide out of Sewanee, Georgia, North Gwinnett High School, four-star when he came out in 2020, top 120 nationally top 25 wide receiver, and top 15 in the state of Georgia, which says a lot about a player. Um, and, again, only two games so far this year. But, again, like I said, already second on the team receptions, already leading the team in touchdowns. Um, what do we need to worry about with Downs? Because I know he's a little bit smaller of a guy.
1: Uh, pretty much everything but deep down the sideline. Um <laughs> He works out of the slot a lot. Um, That's that's primarily where where he's going to be running routes. Uh, And he's great at running routes, great at changing direction, um, great with the ball in his hands after the catch. Um, He's going to be the primary offensive target um, between the 20s, and he's going to be also the primary red zone target. Um, And he's not really used as much as a deep threat, but they will run him with some seam and some fade, um, but not a ton of uh, stuff deep down the sideline. But when you get in the red zone, look for the fade, look for the corner, um, you know, look, look for those plays where he can kind of use his athleticism to get open and high point the ball and bring it down for for a big play.
0: Absolutely. So again, he was out a couple games, and um, we're not going to talk about any more wide receivers tonight because there's. We're going to talk about a tight end next, but also keep your ears open for Kobe Pesor. Kobe Pesor leading the team interceptions. Um, and another one, J.J. Jones. J.J. Jones, bigger guy, averaging almost 20 yards a pop. So depending on what kind of weather we're playing, and you may or may not hear from those guys. But one Antoine,
1: guy, Antoine Green is their, is their deep threat as well. So, I mean, they've got weapons oh, yeah. all over the field. But, you know, when you look at the one that can hurt you everywhere, it's Josh Downs. And Josh Downs makes everybody else's job a lot easier because of everything that he can do.
0: Yep. So let's flip and let's talk about, obviously, Downs played a, Florida a played last week against Notre Dame, but he missed that App State game and he missed Georgia State. And in those games, Brian, you're looking at the tape, you kind of said they were going tight and heavy. And, you know, one of the tight ends they targeted a ton um, <clears throat> was Morales, Kamari Morales, a 6'2", 245 tight end out of Buck Lake, Florida, Lincoln High School. 2019 three star i mean already you know in those games with you know with downs out you know he had 10 reception you know he's already had 10 receptions for over 140 yards this year and it really looked like give credit to their offense went with downs going out they sort of like look between the numbers and were very successful doing it with their tight
1: ends yeah, they definitely kind of filled in the gap with what Downs was doing with two guys, um, Maris and Morales. Morales, um, probably the, the, the better overall target in terms of, of being able to do a little bit more um, within the offense. Um, they, they leaned on him heavily when Josh Downs was out. Uh, good hands, but not really physically dominant. Um, and this is a guy that's more of a kind of a joker tight end, not necessarily a blocking asset. Um, he, he will block in space pretty well good, good stock blocker, but not somebody that you're going to line up in line a ton and just try to t- try to move bodies in the running game. So um, definitely a very pass focused asset for that, uh, that offense.
0: Yeah. And, and the game last week against Notre Dame with downs being back, definitely didn't see as much of him. So obviously they could be changing up things this week. Cause obviously like, you know, downs had a really good game against Notre Dame. So, could they go back to Morales versus us? And, again, it's funny, yeah. you know, we got Keonta this week and a lot of talk is about that position, but if he can play like he did against BC and hold down another good tight end, that helps the Hokies. All right, buddy. <clears throat> now to the fun part. Um, This isn't a very good offensive line, is it? Uh, No. I,
1: I, you know, I don't know if they're as bad as we are right now in terms of, all the pieces uh but they're they're struggling pretty bad um the, you know if, if we're talking about three worst three or four worst offensive lobby acc has a lot of bad offensive line play right now between uva between us between boston BC. college and between in, in between this this unc team so um probably four of the worst offensive lines in the in the uh acc right now so um unc's right there with them um they're not great at staying engaged. They turn their shoulders. Their shoulders get easily turned in the running game, creating those uh, those penetration lanes to really mess up that path, that uh, rushing attack. They struggle a lot, just like we were in, with the stunt and the blitz pickup and pass pro. Um, you know, some of some of their deficiencies are mitigated by scheme and by what you know May able to do with his talent, his decision making, ability to throw the ball, and ability to make quick decisions and get the ball out. Um, but they're they're not very good in the run game or the passing game. Uh, very very mediocre. Um, it's definitely something we could take advantage of.
0: So wh- why are they? Th- then how, how how why are they so successful? Because obviously, if they're not that talented, what's you know how can it really be covered that up by that much of by scheme?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you know, we talked about this a lot when we th- think about. You know, a couple of years back, how bad those Miami lines were, but they were still able to be effective in the passing game and be effective enough in the running game. It's it's kind of the same situation here. Um, when when it's right, they can they can break some big plays in the running game. Uh, when Amario Hampton, uh, who we're about to talk about here in a second, gets to the second level, he can make big plays. Had touch had a run of fifty three yards, I think, against um their uh their FCS opponent. Um and then a couple other uh, big runs as well. Um, so he, he can break some big ones, and that plus what May is able to do and how quickly they are able to um, get the ball out. But also what this offense does well is kind of put that those force players in a bind in terms of whether they're it's a run or a pass or whether it's a give mm-hmm. or a keep. When you do that, that kind of slows things down a little bit and that helps your offensive line. Got it. Got it. Any one particular player maybe stand out for you? Um, No one really. I mean, it's very, it's very biddling across the board. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're breaking in kind of, you know, some new
0: players on that line. So it's still very much a work in progress. All right. Good to know. Let's talk about the guy they have blocked for who's. Had a solid season thus far, and that's uh, Amario Hampton, the running back, six foot two twenty, out of Clayton, North Carolina, Cleveland High School, a four star in the twenty twenty two class. He is a true freshman playing. He was the eleventh rated running back in the country and a top five player in the state. And you know, so far it's sort of been really good game back to earth, really good game back to earth. So this week it's saying this should be another really good game. I hope that the pattern does not continue. because he was, he's at 256 averaging over five a carry for the season, but coming off the Notre Dame game where he only got 28 yards um, and 32 from scrimmage with one little catch. But when you see in the good parts of him, what's he? What's he already? What's he showing? I mean, the big
1: thing he's showing—he's got great vision between the tackles, and he finishes his runs very well. So uh, he's a guy that's always falling forward, always fighting for extra yardage, um, and and maximizes kind of what this offensive line gives him. Um, but he did disappear against App State, did disappear against Notre Dame. A lot of that was based on game flow there. Um, you know, App State, you're getting in the shootout. Notre Dame, um, you're playing from behind for a significant portion of the game. Uh, and especially in the second half uh, of the Notre Dame game, where they completely controlled time of possession. So there wasn't a ton of opportunities, even when they were playing from behind to kind of get those, those carries and those touches. Um, but he does have big playability, like I talked about, um, but really has struggled getting to the sex, the second level against that better uh, uh, competition. So if we can do kind of what Notre Dame has done um, and what app state did, did, for, for significant portions of that game, you know, I think we'll be all right in, in maintaining, um, keeping the Russian game
0: uh, under control and making them a one dimensional offense. Yeah, definitely that has to be the key is to make them a one-dimensional offense regardless because the pass game, as far as the pass game goes, they don't really use the running backs a lot. I mean, the running backs, I mean, I'm just looking here, running backs only have 15 receptions all year, and it's just a little over 100 yards. So, not a big key factor there. four, four, Four or five a game combined yeah yeah not much i mean it's four or five a game for like 25 20 30 yard average so they're not using that as a lot of check downs but again maybe with a young quarterback getting to that read is the real issue um so you know i know we've seen this team for a couple years now brian but let's just go high level what type of offense are we looking at and uh what are they doing that we need to be looking for on saturday afternoon at 3 30
1: yeah this is a uh, spread RPO uh, based offense um, and again I, I said it a little bit but it, you know the, the big key is all about putting the the force players of the defense in a bind where they can't you know play the run or the pass they've got to kind of think and read and and, and kind of sit back and wait um, you know that that's what they're trying to do they're trying to make things difficult put guys on islands um, they're not a great traditional rushing team. Um, but May's numbers kind of make up for that um, combined with what the running backs have been able to do in some big carries and in, in those uh, weaker competition games. Um, but they are still, you know, they're still hovering just below that 200 yard a game mark. So they're, they're getting decent yardage overall, but some of those running game uh, aspects are disappearing for long stretches against better competition. Um, they're much more efficient through the air than they are on the ground, uh, but they can still get bogged down when they aren't able to routinely hit their shots downfield or take advantage of, of good runs and good good plays on early downs. Um, and, you know, they definitely are a dynamic offense, but they become very pedestrian when you get them into those third and long
0: situations. That's good to know. We're going to visit something about those third and long situations, but you're absolutely right as far as the rushing goes, Brian. Against Notre Dame last week, I mean, you know, basically 60 yards on about 25 carries, so very pedestrian. And and there's one of your big keys, right? You know, stop them. Get, make. You've said it. Make them one-dimensional offensively. Make them beat you passing, especially in a range so game. It could be good things for the Hokies. Now, let's go talk about the defense because the defense, not the best, but let's talk about a couple key players there that we're seeing – um, making some impact, and let's start with Cedric Gray, uh, the linebacker, six foot two, two thirty, out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Audrey Kell, high school, class of twenty twenty. Again, I'm, I keep saying it: four star, top ten player in North Carolina, <laughs> top fiend athlete in the country. How this team is only winning six games a year only tells you that their coaching staff is ass. That's all I'm going to say. As many talented players as we've been saying here. And there's even more that we're not mentioning. So the the worst thing is that at least
1: the offense is getting production. Like, but the defense has four and five stars all over the field, ass and our butt,
0: ass, ass. (laughs) Um,
1: But speaking of Cedric Gray, Cedric Gray is the undisputed leader on this defense. Okay, Um, he's weak side linebacker. He's the best player, best box player, and run first defender that they have. Um, he is also their primary blitzer when they send pressure. Um, they'll use another guy that we're about to talk about as well, but he's the guy that they like to send the most on those pressures. And he's generally matched up with the running back in man coverage um, w- when they go uh, into, into the drop back, probably better in man than he is in zone. Um, but he doesn't really have a, a bunch of liabilities, but he's, he's more of a kind of a leader. Um, okay. he, he's not elite. In, in any key areas um, but he doesn't really have any deficiencies either his, his leadership and kind of what he brings to that front is is probably his biggest attribute let me
0: ask this because you say he, he is the guy carrying running backs out of the backfield does he have the kind of athleticism that can keep up with guys like Keyshawn King if we decide to go out and run some flats and maybe run some wheels run some angle routes where Keyshawn is explosive Keyshawn is athletic I mean, he did a decent job of of matching
1: Chris Tyree for a lot okay. of the Notre Dame game. Um, you know, he did get a, a a few gains, but he wasn't necessarily getting beat where Tyree's running up the up the sideline. Um, the only time that a running back caught a, a a big ball in that game was when they put two out there uh, and 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 threw away from uh, Cedric Gray. So okay. That that that's that's the only big play they had with a running back in the passing game was when they went away from that. So,
0: got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. Well, and Gray himself, he like you said, he's the leader and he's leading this team in tackles, forty seven total tackles, three and a half for loss. He has a pick. He's he you know he played a little last year. He's he's deflected passes. So, like you said, it sounds like he has a really well rounded game. Now, let's talk about the other linebacker that caught your eye on the tape because I was looking at somebody else. You texted me and said, let's flip to this guy. Power Eccles." all-name team, first of all, Power Eccles, Big time. Uh, Six-foot, 225, also from Charlotte, North Carolina, from Chambers High School, 2021 class, four-star, top 200 player, top 20 linebacker, number 13 in the state of North Carolina in power so far this year. Um, also well up there, getting 37 total tackles, three tackles for loss, couple sacks. Um, what's uh, power showing on tape?
1: Uh, he's good at making plays against the run when he plays with anticipation, trusts his reads, and, and, and kind of gets up in there. Um, but he's below average in co- coverage, especially in man. Um, so this, this is something where we might be able to to create some mismatches um, with guys in our game. Um, okay. He he does a good job in blitzing. He's probably the guy that they send on blitzes the, the second most in this defense. Um, middling when it comes to block shedding and tackling, he, he'll miss some tackles here and there. Um, and can get confused and influenced by motion and window dressing when he has coverage duties. That uh, big pass to the running back that I'm talking about, there was some window dressing, some motion. He got caught up in the wash, and next thing you know, he let a guy get behind him big touchdown that kind of extended that lead and kind of put it um, out of reach for UNC where they were playing big time uh, catch up there in the fourth quarter. So um, uh, has some ability, but makes a lot of
0: mistakes. It's kind of the, the big takeaway for him. Got it. Got it. All right, well, let's flip and let's take a look at a member of the secondary that if you have followed Hokie football the last few years, you were all too familiar with, and that's Cameron Kelly, the free safety 6'1", 2'10", out of Oscar Smith High School. If you don't remember, he was originally committed to the Hokies long, long time ago in 2018. And then he flipped to Auburn, who he signed with in the class of 2019, where he was a four-star, top 10 player in Virginia, top two four seven player. But he did make it through Auburn spring. He then flipped to UNC after signing with them, and he is now there at carolina where he actually played as a freshman in 2019 um you know this year starting at the strong safety position 20 tackles no picks no sacks no tackles for loss um is he doing adequate or is, or or could they potentially bench him
1: um so he's also their punt returner um, so okay. we'll, we'll put that caveat in there. Uh, he is not a very good tackler at all. Okay. Um, he is, he is food in the open field. Um, uh, <laughs> that's something that we could, <laughs> yeah, he is food. We, we can absolutely take advantage of, uh, of his ability in the secondary. If we can get the ball out, um, and have to force him to make a play in space, he's a little bit better when he can kind of come up and get a fit early, uh, in the snap. If he's late, and he's kind of on an island. He's cooked. Okay, um, and he's improved his coverage, uh, particularly man coverage. So he looks a lot better uh, in coverage than he's looked. I think the last probably two years that we've looked at tape on him. Um, but I'd say he's more dangerous on special teams than he is on defense. All right. Yeah. And the
0: special teams. I. I, I mean. I mean, it's solid numbers. I mean, he's got five punt returns for you know sixty. 60- four yards so almost averaging 13 which is that can be a field flipper catch that at the 25 get it up to the 40 that's that that changes games things like that um it's just the Cameron Kelly thing's always funny because the uh, the announcement was big when it happened because he played at Oscar Smith it felt like a big win and then you know a month later he flipped and and he's been doing his own thing since all right one more player on the defense before we take a look at more defensive scheme. And let's talk about big guy Desmond Evans, six foot six, 265 defensive end, Sanford, North Carolina, Lee County High School, a 2020 four star top 100 player, the number two player in North Carolina that year, and a top 10 weak side defensive end position. Um, Esmond's this year, Desmond this year, um, Fifteen total tackles, no loss or sacks, which is kind of interesting, knowing that he's putting his hand in the dirt a little bit more, Brian. Um, but what's he doing good that he caught? He, you know, he caught my eye, but then he caught your eye to stay on here for review.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a long defensive end with really good size. I mean, that's that's evident. They're six six, two 265. Um, you know, that's that's prototypical um, NFL size right there Mm -hmm. um plays with good leverage sets a good edge um he's probably the best rusher they have despite not having any any showing up on the stat sheet yet um but he struggles at times to shed blocks i mean that's that's the big thing is that if, if you can get engaged with him well he doesn't do a good job of of pursuit um he doesn't do a great job of kind of getting away from from his blocker and making a play after he gets fully engaged, but if he gets a move early, he he does a pretty good job there. And you know, a lot of times he's like a split second from getting home on a lot of these rushes. So, um, we we still got to make sure that we contain him, that we we're, we're identifying him when he's on the field.
0: Yep, yeah, and and you 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 kind of said it. You know, he has no sacks, but he's their best pass rusher. They only have seven sacks for the year. So and most of Fort- those are, I'm sure, I think, are
1: linebackers making making some sacks there. So, so
0: it, it's really interesting to see that, and I mean, once again, is it a potential NFL talent wasted on the defensive side at Carolina under Gene Chizik's defense? Potentially. So let's actually talk about that defense, Brian, because last year and the last few years when we talked about this team, they were running a two-four-five. They hired Gene Chizik. To this point, it doesn't look like he's fixing things, but what does it look like when they play?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a lot less attacking, a lot more um, fundamentals and, and kind of playing uh, playing positions. And right now it's a, it's a multiple front. It's a 4-2-5 base. Uh, they use a hybrid. Uh, the player's called a star, um, which is kind of like a whip type position. And then a hybrid, another hybrid player, uh, called a Jack, which is like a defensive end linebacker. Uh, that's where you see Noah Taylor, uh, former UVA linebacker, uh, lining up for them. Um, they they don't have much success unless they kind of get you behind the sticks early and then can bring some of those blitzes and, and, and put some pressure. Um, they, they don't really pressure on early downs. It, it's, it's very specific on Third and behind the sticks or or situational, um, they get gashed a lot in the run game. Uh, they don't do a good job holding up in in their in their gaps. Uh, so there is some opportunity there. Maybe we see some progress with our offensive line this week against this this front. They are not the the huge front um, with dynamic athletes that we saw uh, with West Virginia last week. Uh, there's no Jordan Jefferson or Dante Stills on this team. So, you know, there there is some opportunity there. Uh, They're very inconsistent in their secondary, especially with communication. There's coverage breakdowns all over the place. Uh, they get fooled a lot with play action, misdirection, things like that. And you notice that I didn't mention – Storm Duck or Tony Grimes. No, you didn't. In this preview because they have almost disappeared in terms of their impact on this defense. Um, and that that kind of started last year and it's it's carried over to this year. Uh, and I'd say it's even worse. I mean, you know, there there were guys on the sideline against Notre Dame, you know, throwing fighting. whiteboards and fighting. You had Tony Grimes get pulled after a, a stupid uh penalty on a late hit out of bounds. Um, you know, there are just so many things that, you know, they're doing to hurt themselves right now. And we, we, we know that we've, we've experienced that on our side as well. Um, the, the difference is, is that we're producing when we're not hurting ourselves, they are not. And that's why we're, we're looking at another, you know, situation of a stoppable force meeting a movable object uh, as we head down to Chapel Hill for Saturday.
0: Uh, yeah, the old stoppable force versus against the movable objects in a hurricane, What what's bound to go wrong there. Um, you know, good breakdowns on the defense and on the offense, Brian. And after seeing your notes and then looking through things, I, I feel like we got some keys out here that, it's to me, it's got to happen. And, I mean, the first key I look at this week is the Hokies running game. You've already mentioned how this is not a good defense and the proof's in the pudding. I mean – North Carolina's giving up over 216 yards running per game. They're almost giving up five yards a rush. They're 123rd in the nation. And the honest truth is, if we can't get the run game going this game, then it's probably not going to happen this year. Maybe against UVA late in the season. Their defense isn't looking great either. But, like, this is your chance, right? This is the chance to – the plays that we feel like we need, we need to find the bread and butter on the outside, the pinning pulls, some of those things, maybe even some jet sweeps. I know no one wants to hear it. <laughs> Curtis said a dirty word. <laughs> but tell me that running a jet sweep like Keyshawn King potentially couldn't break some big plays this week, especially how they run. Not yeah, and I mean, if, if you run. want to
1: do it, you can do it to Connor bummer as well. So, um, so that's why I got to put. It I, I think here, we need man. to get a little more creative with how we get the ball in space. Whether it's more of those quick screens to tight ends, or we can kind of get to the edge quickly and then get upfield and almost use that as a quasi running play. Okay. Um Or you know something more creative in the in the running game. Uh, I, again, I'd like to see more pin and pulls. Uh, and more, more, more plays that attack that perimeter, and I think we, we'll see more uh, this week. Just because, uh, being honest, you know, even with a, a, you know players four man fronts, regardless of what what the guys look like, four man fronts are a little bit easier to design runs runs against than than three man fronts. So, um, you know, I think we'll see a little bit more consistency this week just
0: because of that.
1: Yeah, now,
0: now, just so, Brian's mentioned the passing defense. That's not much better. We've already talked about it in the Keys with the bad. They're giving up almost 280 yards through the air. They're 113th in that. The defense isn't good whatsoever. It's like if, if, if there ever was an offense that needed to play a defense to fix things, we're walking up to that offense this week like fix the shit, fix the shit. Shout out Glenn Pereira watching us out there on YouTube tonight. All right, let's look on the uh, UNC offensive side because when I dug into this stat, it sort of – I'm not going to say shocked me, but so far this year, UNC, 100 first downs, 51 via passing. And when I think of that in a potential wet, sloppy game, the wind's not going to be howling as bad. They're saying 10 to 15 up to 25. And you've said it already a couple times tonight, Brian, with how they're they're leaning on the pass. And yeah. when I see a team over 50%, that's how they get their first downs, you take away their run game. I mean, you can key and potentially maybe jump one.
1: Yeah, if we can take away their run game and they get a little hesitant throwing a deep ball and we're forcing them to have to dink and dunk the whole game, I think that plays into our favor because that's when we've seen – may make some of his mistakes um, that's when we've seen his his technique get a little a little lax there so if, if we can do that 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 bodes well again you know they've had 51 through the air what well, was I think 30, 30 some running and then they've had like 10 or 12 through uh through penalties to yeah kind of get 51, to that
0: 51 through the air 10 on penalties 39 rushing yep so I mean almost and a lot know. of those
1: rushing have been May taking off and getting the first, so it's you know it's not a lot of design runs for May, but it's a lot of a lot of scrambles um, where where he's making those plays. So the running game is you know very hit or miss. Um, if if we can contain that, if we can control that, make them one dimensional, uh, you know, make it where they're they're not able to you know press our force players into having to make a decision if we know okay, well the keys are here. This is a pass play. This is a run play. Um, That lets them play with a little more technique, a little bit more um, freedom there. Uh, So that's going to be key. And, you know, we talked about it last week. It's another one this week. Hokies red zone D versus UNC red zone
0: offense. Absolutely. I mean, and you saw on the tape and you mentioned it, they get inside the 20, they are super aggressive going for it this team hasn't kicked a field goal inside the red zone all year. Yep. So take the think about that. They've been 14 trips, 13 touchdowns, one, they didn't get anything. So, and then I, I remember I saw that stand. I was like, Brian, what's the tape showing? You're like, they get down there, they they say, screw it.
1: Yep. I think they went uh, three or four times on fourth down in the red zone. And, uh, you know, I've only missed on one of them. So, you know, they're – uh <laughs> they are going to be aggressive they they will they want 7 they they don't want to settle for 3
0: well when they um, when they what their the way their defense is playing they have to play for 7
1: yeah yeah Now they've been they've been in a lot of games where they felt like they needed
0: as many points as possible and they have needed as many points as possible in just about every game i mean you know no no disrespect to florida and m i mean florida and m put 26 on this team Florida a and AM is, I mean, they're best and average team in the division they play in, and you know, Brian, we, we talked about UNC, and you guys look at the Hokie stats inside the red zone. Believe it or not, it's it's a, it's been a strength. You know, only twelve possessions inside the red zone this year. Half of them are resulting in field goals, four of them touchdowns, two of them stops. So basically, you're looking at three quarters of the possessions um, getting down into the red zone. Are basically ending with three or less for the team that's playing yeah. the hockey. So, I mean, that's a something's got to give there, right? Either they've got to Something, get something's got to give. Gotta either, give either
1: we're going to get them off the field or they're going to they're going to start putting putting touchdowns in there for us. So, yeah, hopefully with the way that we're playing, um, if we can avoid those penalties that give them some
0: extra chances there, I, I like what we can do there. All right. Last one we looked at, and Brian already mentioned the offensive line is kind of garbage. UNC's allowed 12 sacks this year. They've allowed three in each game by each team. So that's no disrespect to App State or the Georgia Southern team. They gave up three to them. They gave up three to Florida A&M, and they gave up three to Notre Dame, which begs the question, Brian, Should it be? should the number be like 20? Like if Drake May was a statue – would that be doubled? If he's a
1: statue, it'd be it'd be more. If he wasn't making the decisions as quickly as he is, there'd be more. Like there's, this could be significantly worse than it is. Um, but the the way they play and the and the scheme they have helps them avoid some sacks by default. So the fact that they still have twelve is, I think, indicative of, of how that offensive play is going right now.
0: And it's not good. It's, again, one of the worst in the country at giving up those type plays. All right, so they're your key for the Hokies to hopefully get the win. Um, But now it's prediction time, Brian, and we're we're back here again. We have to make predictions every week. So I led last week. I missed. What do you say this week? Well,
1: um, I think this is going to be a sloppy, messy game. Uh, I think we do a good job of of turning them into a one dimensional team, but I think they do get some points on us. I think they do score some touchdowns on us. Um, I think we actually force them to kick one field goal, though. I've got them getting to 24 and I think we make some improvements on the offensive side this week. Um, I think we do some some good things considering the conditions on that side of the ball this week, but I don't think it's enough. I think we end up with 17. So I've got UNC twenty four, Virginia Tech seventeen.
0: All right. I'm I'm not too far off from you, Brian. Um, you know, all the stuff we're seeing offensively and defensively, we, we saw the defense essentially hold a, a team that was averaging five hundred and twenty yards just under a hundred or just above a hundred yards from their normal only give up 26 points, and the funny part is they gave up 10 in the last 15 minutes against West Virginia. So I think the game's going to be competitive, but I've got to lean UNC on this. I think they do punch it in a couple extra times in the red zone, and our offense just can't keep up. Um, 28-20 Carolina in this case. But they're caveats, right, this week because of how bad – the conditions and how bad the UNC offense is.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, taking into account, you know, we might clean up some of the penalties and, and miscues that we had last week as well. So if you, if you take that into account, if we can rush for 150 yards against this team, you take, if you put that on the stat sheet, um, if you go out there and are able to establish any type of consistent running game and, be efficient, if not explosive in the passing game. I, I think we just need to be efficient in the passing game. If, if we can do those things uh, against a defense that's going to give you those opportunities, and we if we can take advantage of them, then, then we've got a chance here because uh, I think our defense is good enough to keep them in check. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't think they're going to go out there and explode uh, for the same type of points they've done. Not only this year, but overall, I I think if we can hold them in that, you know, mid to upper 20s range, then we have we
0: have a shot here. Absolutely. And again, with it being a wet, yucky game, the ball's definitely going to bounce funny. Um, And again, I think we just look for improvement, right? We look for those things Jenkins has been Jenkins talked about with us at the beginning of the episode about cleaning up the penalties, about discipline, playing together um it's things like that that are going to get further we're we're losing games we're not fighting on the sidelines right yep they're 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 hanging in it together so you know gonna be interesting to see how it goes all right brian so let's talk about our big screener for the week here i'll lead with this one it's going to be 7 30 it's going to be in death valley Top 10 matchup of ACC teams, Clemson versus NC State. Likely to be on the back end of a hurricane when that game kicks. I think that's what they're saying, right? It's going to be slowly moving away from Clemson as the game comes in. <sighs> NC State's a six-and-a-half point dog. Um, and with this one, I think NC State's going to cover that six-and-a-half. I think it's gonna, this is going to be a war like it was at Wake. I got to watch the last – Quarter and a half. That was such an entertaining football game, in every sense of the word, Wake and Clemson. But I think Clemson's going to get them in the end with something fluky. I think it's going to be like a thirty-one twenty-eight game, and Clemson wins in the closing minutes with you know what, what whatever they've had mm-hmm. stuck up there for the last decade.
1: Yeah. Um, my my big one is going to be the big neuter man. Kentucky, Ole
0: Miss. Brian's already planning, knowing that he's not going to be able to do anything outside, any yard work. Let me just go ahead and circle the twelve o'clock. Maybe, maybe, maybe cook a nice little uh, heavy lunch there. Get in the main. Yeah,
1: clean. I'm either going to be, uh, I'm either going to be here or down in Virginia Beach. So, um, okay. D- depending on what the how quickly the weather gets into town uh, is going to determine whether we we take a trip down there to to my in-laws this weekend or not, but either way th- there's going to be football uh, on, on a big screen uh, somewhere it's gonna start at noon and it's going to be Kentucky old miss uh, old miss home favorite six and a half points. Um, I'm taking Kentucky in the six and a half here. I think old miss probably wins this one, uh, but I like Kentucky to, to uh, to hang in there and keep it close. Um, I think like, we'll see uh Tay have another big game for Kentucky. Um, But I think Ole Miss just has a little bit more firepower that's going to close it out in the end.
0: Yeah, I think the Stoops defense will keep them in there, but that is going to be the one thing is we know Lane can scheme the hell out of things on offense and exploit just enough times to beat elite defenses. A couple other news and notes. We didn't hit it earlier because we were running a little late. The West Virginia game Thursday night was ESPN's highest Thursday night game in five years, and that was the Egg Bowl back in 2017. Um, 1.6 million viewers. Um, at Between 9 and 9.30, it was a little over 2 million. And I know some people are going to say, well, that's not a huge number. You're competing against the NFL, which started only 40 minutes after we kicked, and yeah. one of those brands being Pittsburgh being literally one of the big national brands. So,
1: you know, again, yeah, of one, one, one of the three biggest brands in, yeah. in the sport.
0: Yeah. So doing that, I think that, again, it shows you where we are still. If we play a night game, we're still going to get people to turn out, fans and casuals alike. We um, are a draw, and we're a draw not just for the entrance. They, they, they peaked. A- <laughs> peaked at 9 o'clock. Well, after yeah. the entrance. Exactly, um, yeah. The other couple big news was Jeff Collins getting fired. Kind of shocked. I thought they'd ride him a little bit further, but I mean, I thought you? he
1: had the rest of this year, or at least until November. November. <laughs> um, but I mean, we we've, we've already seen there's two this, there's this two Ross. September yeah two so September th- firings. You don't Probably. you don't see the the September firing very often. Um. No, not but it all. happens. Uh, the AD has gone there as well. So they are kind of starting from scratch there in their in that department in terms of building that, that brand back up. Um,
0: well, no, 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 it makes sense. If you're going to fire the AD, then, yeah, go ahead and fire the head coach. So when that AD walks in, he knows job one. And, actually, he can sit across the table from you in the interviews and tell you who he's going after and what he's going after. Well, you could see
1: that they they need a different vision. It wasn't just can I bring in a guy that has that's young, has energy, can recruit and can and can put a competent team out there? That wasn't enough early. Um, I think Collins didn't really conform to the role as well as they thought. I think there yeah. were there were times where you know they the coaching staff hurt themselves just as much as the opponent did. Um, but at the same time, I think they're looking for a completely different direction at this point, because I don't, I don't think they, I think they see, they can't just go back to a Paul Johnson, uh, you know, academy style offense and have success, but they also can't just throw the flavor of the week, um, you know, offensive minded spread system in there and, and just, you know, plug and play. Um, you know, they they had some good players that came in there initially. Gibbs. Uh, Holy Gibbs, moly. Yeah, and, and
0: uh Jeff Simmons.
1: Yeah, but they they never were able to put put the full picture together.
0: And they, they are we're we're a pretty sizable rebuild. They are literally the hurricane took the house into the ocean rebuild. Yeah. No, I mean, seriously what, like it's it's like literally you're relaying the foundation there. I mean,
1: and and Collins had a big job. I mean, going from triple how I they team. were recruiting on offense to what they were trying to do with the spread. I mean, you know, we're, we're seeing it now with with an opponent we play with Wofford. They're they're trying to do the same thing right now, yeah. and it's not going well at all. Uh-uh. Um, and you know, you talk about square peg round hole. That's that's very much I think what what was happening there there wasn't a plan to ease from one system into another it was very much a this is what we're doing you know get on board or 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 not and i think just there wasn't enough success and there wasn't enough trajectory that said we're moving in the right direction at this point where the product on the field
0: was acceptable anymore there you go Brian, I'm looking here at CBS Sports. Looks like some games are getting moved to Sunday. Eastern Washington and Florida. UCF SMU, no change to Wake Forest, Florida State yet. Um South Carolina and he ECU. threw the ultimate.
1: Clausen threw the ultimatum out there, though. So we'll see mm-hmm. if he stands by it. Well,
0: I mean, it is what it is. Um, South Carolina. And, oh, this is sucks. South Carolina – or, excuse me, South Florida and East Carolina, originally scheduled to kick at Raymond James Stadium, are going to go to Boca. So they're going to go to the other side of the state to play. Okay. Um, and it'll kick off at 2 o'clock. And, yeah, I mean, that, that,
1: that Tampa side's going get, to get hit crying. pretty
0: good. Well, I, I talked to my buddy Mike at work today. You know it's been 100 years since Tampa took a wreck hit from a hurricane. Man. That's insane. Like me and him were just I'm like, serious? And then you start thinking about it. It hasn't. And if it wrecks there, I mean it's gonna really wreck. South Carolina, South Carolina State moves to Thursday night. Um, Shane Beamer did that strictly because he knows he has a war on his hands against Kentucky next week. Might as well get two extra days of prep, right? There we go. Nothing wrong All with right. that. Um we'll see if Clausen's
1: ultimatum uh holds holds tight there. Um
0: well, the, the weird part is it's the Saturday it's going to be further up the coast. Now, if you talk about it's dangerous travel and I don't want my kids to stay there, I get it completely. Um, so move the game to 7 o'clock. Or move your flight up so you're, you're there a day early and you can prep in other facilities. Yeah, who knows. It's going to be interesting weekend. All right, since nothing else is breaking that I see we need to talk about, we are going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Visit our website, BoundaryCornerVT.com, to listen to all of our episodes. Do not While you're there, do not forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube account. Um, also, click your favorite Podcast source, Spotify, Amazon, Apple Podcasts. Jason Long plays us in, plays us out every single week. And let's see if he's going to be doing any hurricane music this weekend. He is not, but he is going to be next weekend at the Food Huts pop-up brunch market on October 2nd at Golden Cactus Brewing from 10 to 2. We always thank you guys for listening Check Jason out on YouTube and Facebook as well. We thank you for listening. As always, let's go. Oh, one thing, Brian. What you got? Thank you, Keonta Jenkins. Thank you, Travis Wells. We really appreciate you guys coming on tonight. And as always, Brian, let's go. Hokies.